Hello and welcome back to Cody Underground, the podcast. I am Cody Willard. It's April 28, 2014. Today I am going to talk about entrepreneurship, perseverance and success. I think I'll call it. You're always just one perseverance away from success. So, people ask me all the time how I first got to New York City and why I went to New York. I'm, after all, from a small town, rural New Mexico, on top of a mountain in southeastern New Mexico. Grew up at 7,500-foot elevation and went skiing for a dollar every Wednesday on the school uh, Mescalero Apache program that they uh, jointly offered. Uh, on top of that 12,200-foot peak. I think that's what It's over 12,000. I don't know exactly what the actual number is, but it's a beautiful area out here, and we're in the middle of nowhere. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's nothing like New York, not even like Albuquerque or El Paso. It's small and remote. But I had a dream to go to New York, and like I told my mom, and like I told Jay Leno about telling my mom when I'd gone on The Tonight Show, the fact is... I wanted to be a Wall Street rock star, and I had no idea what that truly meant, and I still don't really know what that means, but going on the Jay Leno show, that that was pretty rock star, and I talked about Wall Street, so, you know, Wall Street rock stardom is uh, not an art, it's not a science, it's not even defined, but it's been a career for me, and it's been a lot of fun, and the way I got to New York and was, I bought a one-way ticket. The day I graduated college with an economics degree from University of New Mexico. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to Europe and try to play basketball. I'd played basketball as a walk-on for the Lobos, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to maybe join the Navy and become a pilot, go to the Naval Academy. Um, But we weren't at war, and frankly, I was sick of basketball, so I bought one-way ticket to New York and started off at Starbucks and went on all kinds of uh, interviews at these boiler shop rooms that I had no idea what I was doing, but my instincts were strong enough that the red flags went off whenever I'd go to one of those boiler rooms where they, they'd be like a 25-year-old and a 27-year-old slick stockbroker couple of dudes in some cheap suits explaining to me basically the model that you saw in The Wolf of Wall Street, and I never joined a firm like that. I went and worked at Starbucks instead until I got hired by Andrew Lanier at Oppenheimer, and I mentioned in a podcast recently that the way I got that job was I just kept faxing in my resume. I'd read his book that I bought at Barnes & Noble and on 88th Street, I think it was, maybe 85th Street up there on the Upper West Side when I got to New York, and I just started sending my resume and faxing and emailing and calling everybody I'd read in the newspaper or uh, in Forbes magazine, Fortune magazine, uh, whose books I had bought out of Barnes & Noble. And um, eventually I got hired by Andrew when I persevered, despite the fact they didn't answer about the first 12 times I faxed my resume in. Um, I'm also often asked about why and when I started writing and doing media for a career, and 
really the way this, my writing career started off was I was working for an incubator, which is a venture capitalist type firm that instead of all, uh, just investing in a company um, and giving them money for part of their equity, part of the share of the company, we would get a share of the company and equity in the company by helping them build. I was an advisor and consultant on about 10 different companies at any given time, some of which were inside of our shop already and others that we were trying to acquire. And it was the top of the bubble in 1999. The tech bubble and dot-com bubble were on fire, and the company I was working for was called Visual Radio, and they had just raised... I think about $10 million on a $100 million valuation for the incubator in the private market. And then they were, we were using that money to open a new penthouse office in downtown New York and do a bunch of other really fancy stuff. And the offices weren't ready uh, for us at the end of the year when we were supposed to move in. Uh, that big penthouse office that we were about to move into with, I don't know, it must have been five or 6,000 square foot. Um, in the meatpacking district, and it was pimp. It was really beautiful, and it wasn't ready for us. So we had two weeks of nothing to do, so I started a, a website. I had nothing else to do. I didn't have the money to fly home to New Mexico, and it was Christmas break, and I thought we were going to be moving offices, so I hadn't scheduled anything, and then it turned out we had two weeks of nothing to do because, hey, it was the top of the bubble. And they didn't know it was the top of the bubble, but they had more money than they knew what to do with at the time. So we just took two weeks off, closed the company down. I stayed in New York and started a website called teleconomist.com because it was about telecom and I was an economist. And I, inside that incubator, I'd been uh, helping build a lot of different telecom companies. And eventually, um, I read an article on the street.com with Jim Cramer that... Uh, in which at the bottom he said, "Hey, if you're a Wall Street, if you're an out-of-work Wall Street analyst, this is about the year 2000 at this point, 2001, yeah, about 2000, late 2000. The markets had really started cracking, but not completely crashed yet, and a lot of analysts had been laid off. And he finished one of his articles on Street.com saying, if you're out of work and you're a Wall Street analyst and you want a job, let us know. We need more writers.'" And I said, I'm not out of work, I'm not a Wall Street analyst, but check out my website, teleconomist.com, which I had just finished maybe, I don't know, three months before I read that blurb in his article. And two weeks later, I was writing articles for thestreet.com. Um, I think I was being paid about 500 bucks a pop uh, for a little while, and then they also ran out of money. The incubator I worked for Within eight months, it's gone through that $10 million and spent it on the penthouse offices and outrageous salaries and perks and whatnot and was out of business. And I was working at a uh, full-on telecom company uh, called Broadview Networks by that point. And I kept my job at thestreet.com even as I was doing telecom. And I continued to write articles. And after they didn't have enough money and they plowed through their money, and this is about 2001, um, about a week before 9-11, I got laid off from my telecom job. The street.com called me and told me they couldn't afford to pay for articles anymore. And the point is, I persevered. I kept writing. I wrote for the street.com for free for months, maybe a year. Eventually, I sold them a newsletter, that teleconomist.com website that I was selling subscriptions to. And I had a few hundred people paying me, I think, about $99 a year. And it wasn't generating enough income to support me, but 
I did a partnership with the street and they bought a chunk of equity in that company from me. And, uh, well, they bought it. Part of the newsletter, I guess, is what they bought. But the point being, we ended up uh, at one point doing more than a million dollars annually in sales off that newsletter under their banner. And it was because I'd been writing for free for a long time for them because they had not been able to pay me after the bubble popped. I remember the very low point of my writing career, and this goes out to Fam Investor uh, that you can find on scudify.com and um, any of the rest of you out there. We've got a lot of new young writers and newsletter writers and traders that are trying to build a career, and they've joined scudify.com, I think, to try to help them deliver on that career and get to the vision that they want to be at. And the low point for my career, I was living in a really bad neighborhood in Brooklyn. My car had been broken into twice in the last two, three weeks. And uh, <laughs> the last that morning, uh, it was a Saturday morning, I went down and I was going to dr- move my car, drive it somewhere, and it had been broken into again. There was a ticket, a parking ticket on the front of it, despite the fact I had been broken into that night, and that was a reason why it was illegally parked at that point, because I had needed to move it, and I couldn't, because anyway, that was a low point. I went back upstairs into my crappy apartment, and there was all kinds of stereos blasting out in the streets, and park, there was some sort of, I don't know, softball tournament going on in the park across the street. horns honking and I had to get a newsletter out at that point I think I probably had 30 or 40 subscribers paying me 99 bucks a year you know what's that going to do for anybody nothing and I called up one of my best friends Charlie Stewart who's now a really big money manager I think at GE still and if he's still not there he's managing probably managing some of your funds one of your mutual funds one of your IRAs or 401ks somewhere he's had a lot of success over the years and I called him up depressed and saying how I wished I could go home back to the mountains of Ruidoso in New Mexico and get out of that darn newsletter business, which, I mean, what the heck was I doing? I'd been in it for months, and I had going to make 1200 bucks that year. And he told me, you got to persevere. It's not about this month. It's not about this week. Not about that, this year. you got to persevere through those short, through the hard times, through especially the short-term hard times, and soon thereafter, Jim Cramer had liked my writing on thestreet.com so much to help me launch my hedge fund, put me on TV, on his TV show, with, at the time was called Cudlow and Cramer, and within two or three years, I was managing a lot of money and running a successful hedge fund and going on TV weekly or daily sometimes, and soon after that, I had my own TV show, and like I said, I was going on the Jay Leno Tonight Show talking about Wall Street and all of this, so... Persevere. It's about perseverance. Your career, trading too, investing too, you got to persevere through hard times. You're always going to make mistakes and have losses, but especially in your own career. You've got to have a vision and you've got to work when nobody else believes in you and you've got to work when you hardly even believe in yourself and you got to just keep producing every day. Show up at work. That's the biggest difference between my career and so many guys that I've seen along the way that didn't end up making it. It's simply showing up every single day and persevering through the hard times. Quote, like I started off with, with 
at the top of this podcast, Cody Underground, you're always just one perseverance away from success. The breaks for you and your career and your life won't come if you're not out there trying. You got to be out there. You got to be out there trying, which means you got to persevere through the times that challenged you and your trying. Stick with it. Don't give up. It's good to hear it when the markets are up. I'll remind you next time the markets crash. Today's song is a quick one while he's away by the who. Takes about six and a half minutes to get to the part that I love, but this is the part I love. I should have made a single out of the end of the song and just called it, You Are Forgiven. That's Cody Underground. Rock and roll. Persevere, baby.